All right, so let's properly delve into this banking crisis. New week, Monday morning, March 27th. And we have a whole bunch of new data to go through. So first off, this is a retweet from Balaji. Balaji Srinivasan, who was the former CTO of Coinbase and a respected uh, angel investor in Silicon Valley. And he retweeted this, uh, this post that says the Fed just reported that U.S. banks borrowed $475 billion last week as the banking crisis continued. Meanwhile, over $500 billion has been withdrawn from small banks in the two weeks since Silicon Valley Bank collapsed. So pretty extraordinary numbers. Over the last couple weeks, more than $500 billion pulled out of the banking system, pulled out of small banks. And then the other number is, uh, let's see here. So he retweeted uh, a Bitcoin person, some big Bitcoin person who said the total capital buffer in the U.S. banking system is $2.2 trillion, while unrealized losses are between $1.7 and $2 trillion. If banks had to liquidate their bond and loan portfolio, they lose 77 to 91% of their capital cushion. So pretty extraordinary. Some of these banks are basically operating, it seems, in a place of, uh, of functional, functional, if not legal, insolvency, right? They have less on their books than they have assets. And I'm sure people withdrawing their funds is not helping. And so it's only Monday morning. And all this talk of everything's safe and resilient. The more I hear that weird word resilient, the more I hear that, the more I think, are things resilient? I don't get emails from my bank, usually telling me how strong they are. And suddenly, suddenly I'm getting these needy emails from a credit union I haven't used in eight years. And a big bank I use begging me for a deposit, begging me to start a savings account, which is the last thing I want to do at the moment is lock up money. And uh, really bizarre. And then uh, the other thing I wanted to draw people's attention to, someone did an updated chart of Bitcoin's energy impact, how much energy it uses and how much it pollutes in comparison to other industries. And you can see from the chart, it's tiny. I'll put it up on the video. It's tiny compared to gold mining, air transportation, sea transportation, land transportation, the healthcare industry, the insurance industry, construction sector, and of course, militaries, global militaries, and the building sector, largest of all, largest polluter of all. Uh, and so it was always a red herring, always just the BS argument to say that we need to get rid of Bitcoin because it's bad for the environment. Actually, it's, it's not bad for the environment, first off. And second of all, uh, think about the, the indirect indirect kind of upstream impact of getting rid of all the bank skyscrapers and all the credit card mailers and the armies of lawyers and regulators and auditors and stuff. Imagine getting rid of all that, all those people driving to work every day. And instead you just log on and check your Bitcoin balance. No bank skyscrapers required. No office buildings of regulators in Virginia and DC needed. I mean, you think about the indirect impact, it means way less pollution and carbon footprint. And then you go out a little bit further. What happens when people are working for a deflationary capped currency? 
or something that's truly rare versus a dollar that people know is worth less over time. What happens is people are not in such a rush to spend and it might change the entire economy. We might go from a consumer spending economy where people rush to Walmart and go on Amazon to buy cheap stuff made in other countries because they wanna spend their dollars while they're still worth something. If you didn't have that impetus, you would sit on your money. You would sit on it and you would consume less, which would mean less carbon footprint coming from you as a person. Radical change in the level of, of carbon output potentially. So not only is it misguided, it's completely wrong. Uh, but yeah, I just wanted to point out those numbers because that's nothing to laugh at, $500 billion in outflows. And again, this is coming from the small banks, not from the big four. Uh, and then you have NASDAQ, which is the uh, stock exchange that lists Microsoft and many other uh, tech giants. Major exchange NASDAQ has said institutions are not backing away from Bitcoin and crypto, but they want trusted partners. And they're saying that, of course, from a place of self-interest, because in the next quarter, in uh, second quarter 2023, they're planning to offer storage services, custody services for investors who want to store Bitcoin and other major cryptos. So we got, you know, a number of smaller crypto businesses being targeted by the government with burdensome, burdensome requests from the SEC and others. Meanwhile, the big dogs are moving in. NASDAQ planning to, again, offer storage services in the next few months. And, uh, uh, and Fidelity, which I, I think is one of the biggest financial institutions of the world, multi-trillion dollars under asset management, right? Their AUM is in the trillions. And Fidelity is offering now commission-free Bitcoin trades to all their 30-something million customers. So that's a pretty big deal in my opinion. And uh, yeah, so we gotta start pushing back against these weird kind of boomer tropes that Bitcoin is used only for drug deals and stuff. I've never seen a drug deal go down with Bitcoin. I don't know of anybody who uses Bitcoin for illegal stuff. It's not a great way to cover your tracks because every transaction is on the blockchain. Every single transaction can potentially be scrutinized at a later date, which makes it fair. That's what makes it, you know, uh, something you can actually believe in. So uh, let's dig into some other stuff real fast. So the other big, other big banking crisis update is people notice that CNBC over the weekend, CNBC quietly removed all the real-time chart data for the CDS, uh, the credit default swaps of the major banks. They just quietly removed access to these charts. And if you're wondering why is that such a big deal, someone on the Reddit conspiracy board explained it. Uh, someone named Pajama Man. He says, for those who don't know the implications of credit default swap prices, I would like to know more. I would suggest watching the film The Big Short. It is both entertaining and very informative. An overly simplified explanation would be if credit default swap prices rise sharply, which they have been, then it means that many people are putting their banks, that means that many people are putting their money on banks failing. Interesting times. So yeah, that's, that's possibly why they're pulling access to those charts. They don't want people to see the spike. The spike that people saw in Charles Schwab, for example, 
their credit default swaps have gone up quite a bit in recent days. And so now they just, you know, try to keep it out of sight, out of mind. No financial crisis here. Incredible. Anyway, it's almost toward the end of the month. If you've been enjoying the show, please send a tip. Link will be in the description. Consider sending a little tip and also a link to the new book. You could read it Amazon Kindle if you want to read it instantly. Or you can buy it as a paperback. Thank you, guys. Aside from the books, find David and Fulcrum over on our podcast. If you're looking for a source of real news and analysis, search for and add Fulcrum News on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. You can also find the show over at fulcrumnews.com anytime commercial free. You're listening to Fulcrum News, real news from America and around the world. Fulcrumnews.com slash subscribe to get our premium membership and updates via email.